So I'm listening to this talk, this Christian talk radio station, and they're talking about uh, this guy, Jesus. And they're, sorry, they're talking about uh, grace and forgiveness and how he, he, he can love me even though I don't love myself. And I'm like, I got to think about that. No one had ever said that to me. No one had ever said that to me. Hello, everyone, and welcome. On behalf of Disciple of City, I'm Todd Carlton, and this is the Toddcast. If you're looking to be equipped on making disciples, we would love to resource you. We host training events and schools and also have a video series you can utilize for your own discipleship group. Find all the information on our website at discipleofcity.ca. Hey, why not start off your day with testimonies from all over the world of salvations, healings, and baptisms? These are real-time stories that you can see by downloading the free app called United Hive. Set up a profile, share some of your own stories, and let's continue to encourage one another. Friends, if you're enjoying the show, please like and subscribe, leave a review, and follow along on Instagram at the Toddcast underscore DAC. My guest today is living outside of Sudbury, Ontario. He was a lawyer for 30 years. He was also a professing atheist that actively sought to debate with Christians. He, along with his wife, are now running an off-grid camp called Camp Blaze. Please welcome Rob Dunford. Hello. Hello. (laughs) How are you, man? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm great, and it's nice to meet you. Heard a lot about you you. from some friends. And you got quite quite a story. Um, So, Rob, uh, I understand you didn't grow up with any kind of church background, um, but if you could just sort of paint the picture of what that was like for you just growing up and in your household and that kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you're right. I didn't have any kind of, uh, uh, church or I would have said religious upbringing. Um, we, uh, I was raised an atheist. Um, I was proud of that label. Uh, when I was younger and going through university, I was, um, I'd spend time looking at, uh, popular um philosophers of the time um dabbled in all kinds of stuff existentialism nietzsche all that um so that was my upbringing well when you say Um, you were when you say you were raised an atheist do you mean like you just didn't grow up going to church or you mean like that was actually taught or talked about God didn't exist. Uh, you pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Uh, Christianity is for weak people. And the idea of a God and the need of this mythical Jesus figure um, is a sign of uh, it, it, it's a sign of weakness in the fact that you need a crutch to get on in life. And I was raised not to think that way. And um yeah, I I live my life accordingly. So when you went to university, where you you were obviously going for law, if you were a lawyer for so long, is that was that the beginning? Um, 
No. Um, <clears throat> becoming a lawyer actually kind of ended up being a bit of an accident for me. Um, I went in for history originally, um, but that's kind of a degree that you can make anything out of. So I was, um, I was kind of searching and seeking what I wanted to do, but I, I knew I liked the sound of my own voice. So it was either going to be a lawyer or an actor and I can't act. So I guess law, law was the only thing that was going to work for me. And that's how I ended up going to law school. <clears throat> so in university, so j- just hearing your story on another platform, uh, hearing that you actively, like you did, so- sought to debate Christians and stuff, did that start in high school or was that more university when you're sort of studying history? Or I guess I actually started in high school because I, um, I got into high school politics and debating. And what better place to um, find people to debate with that people actually had values. Um, I didn't know many people like that. So so the people that I knew that had values were the Christians. So they were kind of my target and that started in high school and it it develops into a fine skill at university, sadly. (laughs) (laughs) But you must've had some, some fantastic, it's, it's, it's just interesting that there's sort of a part of us that like to debate, right? I mean, there's debate clubs and, you know, politics really is debating and, but there's something in us that likes to debate whether that's trying to prove our own point or actually maybe deep seated seeking the real truth. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was, it was verbal combat. I really, I enjoyed it. Um, it made me get a sense of superiority and, um, yeah, it, I, I didn't realize at the time, but I was making myself my own idol in a way. Mm, She would have been proud. (laughs) (laughs) And did you feel, were you debating because you wanted to help people in their belief that they were wrong? Or was it like you said, like uh, verbal combat? Was it more, more like uh, aggression, if you will? Yeah, that's a good question. I'd like to say that I had benevolent, motives behind it that i really believed a truth that i wanted other people to believe but honestly it wasn't that it was just me showing off and puffing up my own chest making myself feel important and superior did you uh have some you must have had some really interesting debates did anybody did anybody that you can remember in university say really really challenge you beyond what, what a normal debate would be like somebody or an instance where something really stood out where, wow, this, you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I'm trying, I'm just thinking. And unfortunately, no, um, were I to debate an atheist now, I would, I would go about it a different way than the people that, than the Christians that I debated went about it, um, with me. Um, it would often become a, 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 a theological lecture, whereas I'm focusing on the power of reason, rational thought. Um, and, you know, like the, the kind of low balls you'd expect, if there's a loving God, why does bad things happen in the world? Um, 
if there's a loving God and he can heal, why is there cancer? And uh, I, I never got, in my experience debating Christians, I never got an answer that made me sit back and think, huh, I got to think about that more. Uh, so, uh, it, 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 there's, there's not a single incident incidents that I thought I got to go back to the drawing board and think this out again, because maybe I'm not right. And maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> so you never really had a good conversation with somebody that would be an apologetic then? No, no, I didn't even know what apologetics was until I became a Christian. <laughs> yeah but we'll get there <laughs> yeah yeah because you know obviously in anything whether it's faith or something outside of it if it's if it's your passion you come up on the defensive but but really not everybody has that gift you see these i'm sure you see them now these apologetics and they just but not only that of just that knowledge or that way of thinking but also of being able to listen to and understand where somebody else is coming from in their thought processes I'll, I'll tell you what, you know, that's, uh, you hit the nail on the head there because I think if rather than respond to this verbal attack that I would be giving, if someone had sat back and said, I'm going to listen to you and I want to explore why you're thinking that way rather than me defending why I think this way. If I think if someone had done that to me, then I would have started doing this introspection thing, which would have freaked me out because when, as an atheist, when you start looking in internally and you do this sort of internal introspection, then you realize that there's an awful lot of emptiness and you need to explore that and why that is and how that affects your life, your relationships, what you do, what you don't do, and how you do it. And that start started me anyway on a journey um, that led to Christ. Yeah, okay. So let's talk about the the lawyer aspect. What what turned you on to that, and how did that start? What kind of lawyer were you? Have, well, you, was, have oh, you repented from... from <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting. Uh, <laughs> so... I finished uh, I finished my undergraduate history degree at, at the University of Toronto. And then uh, I decided to go to law school in England. So I, I went to the UK and it was supposed to be like a year or two just to kind of see what ended, you know, see what happens. And I ended up living in the UK for 17 years. So I started practicing law as a barrister, uh, who's a, that's one of the guys that wears the wigs and goes into court and does all the arguing. So I decided to go the trial lawyer route because, as I said earlier, I like the sound of my own voice. So, and I like debating. So, what, what perfect, right? I'll become a trial lawyer. I started doing criminal law. And then, after about five years of being a criminal lawyer in England, I went into uh, a commercial trial lawyer rather than dealing with crimes and misdemeanors, that kind of thing. I decided it was easier. Uh, to deal with people's money. And um, I'm never, I was never around the table when you're cheering and you've got the big business deal and you're all going to make a lot of money when that didn't happen. And you wanted to plot a knife and stab your, your former buddy in the back, you'd hire me to hold the knife. So 
I did that uh, until 2006 when I came back to Canada, uh, got licensed in Ontario to practice as a lawyer, and then I ultimately became a partner in a large multinational law firm that has offices across the world. What uh, what brought you back to Canada? Were you tired of the wig or? <laughs> uh, actually, how how hot are those? How- oh, they, they are hot because um, most of the courtrooms in England are kind of old, right? So they don't even have proper air conditioning. They're really stuffy. They look great in, in TV dramas, but they're horrible to work in. And uh, those things are made out of horse hair and they're heavy. And um, ugh. And you, you can't wash your wig. So over a few years, they can't kind of grungy, but you still have to wear them. And ooh. so I don't miss the wig, yeah. but it, it is here um, on a shelf somewhere <laughs> on display. I'm totally sidetracked, but it is a cool part of history, right? Just the history of England. And it, all it is. And, and we won't go down that rabbit hole now, but there's actually a good reason, practical reason why back in the day they had lawyers wear wigs. Um, it, it actually did make sense at the time, but it, doesn't make sense now. It just looks cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what what brought you back to to Canada? Um, <clears throat> the atheist in me would say a whole bunch of freakish situations that developed over the course of a very short period of time, where I um, suddenly ended up uh, through sort of family situations and that kind of thing ended up realizing I had to come back to, to Canada to deal with uh, some family things. And uh, the only thing I knew how to do was be a lawyer. So if I'm coming back to Canada, I'm going to requalify. And that's, that's what I did. So we, we can suspect that someone else was at play of bringing you back. But anyway, you, <laughs> I see that now I see the hand of God in everything I've ever done. Yeah. So you came back here, got got settled to practice law here. Obviously, you met your wife yep. here, I suspect. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, my wife, Nicole, we met here. Um, I, I Yeah, soon after I, I moved here, I, I, I met Nicole. Was and, she in uh, law as well? Yeah, she actually worked in the same law firm uh, as I did for a brief period of time. And um, we met in 2000 and, and well, we started... Uh, dating in 2009 and got married in 2011. 2009 is when I came to faith, bro. Oh, it, it was later. It was later in life for me also. So a monumental year for both of us. Yeah. So, okay. So, um, take us through then what, where did this, where did this change or curiosity or what, what started to happen with this atheist lawyer? <laughs> So in the summer of 2017, I externally, I had everything you could possibly want and strive for. I had the big job, the big car, big house, beautiful wife, which I still have, of course. Um, It influenced everything. But in the summer, the beginning of the summer of that year, I just felt that the more I was running after all of these things, the farther things seemed to be out of my grasp. And I felt that there was this 
I was going to say hollowness, but it wasn't. It was it was a it was a hole that had been filled with, uh, I call it black ink, darkness. And the more I strive for these things that society tells me I should strive for, and I would be fulfilled if I had, the more I strove for those things, and the more I got those things, the bigger this hole was getting inside me, and. I realized that what I was actually doing was filling it with poison, this hole. And it was like, I'm, I'm dying of thirst and I'm drinking salt water and that will eventually kill me. And I felt if I carry on this way, I'm going to be swallowed up in my own darkness. So I have, I don't know what to, I didn't know what to do, but I, that was where I was in my life. That's very interesting of, of, uh, that's just very interesting of pursuing things and just, you just wanting, needing more and more and more. And knowing that the more I, uh, the more I consumed these things, digested these things, the more, <clears throat> the more empty I felt I was until I felt like I was just a very brittle shell of a human being. Where was your wife at spiritually? Was she an atheist as well? or She had been nominally raised as a Roman Catholic. Um, she came from up north, so a lot of people are, you know, raised as a Roman Catholic. But that just meant she was baptized as a Roman Catholic. <clears throat> we didn't, she, no one ever went to church. We didn't pray. We didn't talk about God. Didn't talk about Jesus. Didn't have a Bible. We just lived our lives as, you know, non-believers. So when you started feeling this way or this, this emptiness, or did, is this something that you shared with her that you're feeling like this, or did you just sort of process it on your own or. So uh, the way, the way this went down is I was driving to work one day and we, uh, two things about me. I hate uh, at the time, (laughs) hate, uh, class, uh, I love classical music, hate ads, hate talk radio, and Christian talk radio is obviously not something I'm ever going to listen to. <laughs> I'm I'm driving to work, and I've got my jazz station on. It's the only station, or the classical one. I've got two on my on my satellite radio. There's two stations. I'm listening to my jazz station going into work, and the channel changes, and it changes to a talk radio station. And this is satellite radio. Yeah satellite radio the channel changes and i'm like oh talk radio and then i listen to it for a second and i'm like i get a double hit in the face it's a christian talk radio station I'm like <laughs> oh my gosh like and i go to change the channel and something stopped me i don't mean physically there wasn't like a a wall that i couldn't get to the radio but something inside me said it's hard for me to get through this. Um, something inside me said, listen. So I did on my way to work and it's about a 30 minute, um, commute. So I'm listening to this talk, this Christian talk radio station. And they're talking about, uh, this guy, Jesus. And they're sorry. They're talking about, uh, grace and forgiveness and how he he 
he can love me even though I don't love myself. And I'm like, I got to think about that. No one had ever said that to me. No one had ever said that to me. Mm. And um, all day at work, I probably wasn't very productive that day because I kept thinking about this. And I was looking forward to the drive home because I'm like, I'm going to listen to this Christian station more. So that became this secret thing I started to do on the way to and from work, uh, listen to this Christian radio station. And it got to the point where I had so many questions and so many things running around in my head, but I didn't have anyone to talk to about it because I didn't know any Christians. So I confessed to my wife. I'm like, sit down. I got something to tell you. Don't freak out. But I'm listening to this Christian radio station and it's making me think about a whole bunch of stuff. And it's making me want to ask some questions and talk about it to someone. Here's a crazy idea. You start listening to the radio station too. <laughs> and then when we get home after work, we can sit down and talk. And my wife's kind of, okay. So, so she started listening to it on her commute to work. I listened to it on my commute to work. And then we get home and we would talk about it. And then at one point I think, you know what? I think we should buy a Bible. Now I see this as we were starting a Bible study, but I would not have said that at the time. Um, so I remember I'm like, where am I going to buy a Bible? Like, I don't even know where you go for that. So I found there's a Christian bookstore not far from my work. I'm like, that's probably a good place to go. So I park in the parking lot and I'm looking around, hoping no one sees me that will recognize me. And I sneak <laughs> into this Christian bookstore and I'm looking around and I, I can't see the Bible anywhere. Right. There's like lots of gifts and stuff um, and bookmarks, but I'm like, I don't know where the Bibles are. So I go to this woman who's working at the counter and I kind of quietly ask her where the Bible is. And she says, they're over there. And I'm thinking, well, of course they have like a couple of copies. Right. So I look and there's this whole wall of Bibles and I'm like, there's different, there's different versions of the Bible. Like, isn't it all just the Holy Bible? Like what's, I know that I've heard about the King James. There's the new King James. There's the NIV. There's the message. There's a passion. Like, like, Oh my gosh. Well, how do I even buy a Bible? This is getting confusing, but because I am a word guy, lawyer in me, it's like, I'll get the biggest because that'll have the most information in it. So, um, I get the amplified. So I bring the amplified Bible home, one for me, one for my wife. And we start this Bible study. Um, and then at one point towards the end of the summer, I'm thinking maybe we should go to a church and meet some Christians and just see what that's like. And there was this little country church down the road from us. We lived in the country in Puslench at the time. And, uh, it looked like out of a postcard or something, right? A little beautiful little country church on a hill. There were even some cows grazing around it. It was so cute. And, uh, I walk in there and I'm immediately getting a sense that, yeah, this isn't for me. I don't feel welcome here. I think people are staring at me like I'm going to steal the pews. I just, no, nah, this isn't for me. Oh, and, so, the, and the devil rears his ugly face. And so <laughs> we, we left 
And, and I said, maybe that's whole, maybe this whole thing is a fad. I'm going to re I'm going to reassess this. Maybe I'm just going through a phase, but I continued listening to this Christian radio station and we continued reading the Bible. Um, but it kind of stayed in that space for a while. And then Thanksgiving, we were having a large party at our house and, uh, in the middle of the party, we, and it was, it was, we were having a barbecue on a Sunday and we ran out of ice. So I volunteered to drive to get ice. So now I'm in my Jeep and I'm driving down the highway because I had to go to a gas station to get, uh, to get the ice. And, um, now I'm listening to this radio station live and I'm hearing a preacher give a live sermon, which I'd not heard before because I'd only been hearing it recorded Monday to Friday going to and from work. So this is new. And I, this preacher says, sorry, it's still hard for me to get through this. It's, um, that's, that's good. Cause it's real, bro. Oh Yeah. Um, this preacher says someone who hears my voice wants to have a relationship with Jesus. Someone who hears my voice wants Jesus in their life. Raise your hand. (laughs) And I start to cry. I pull over to the side of the highway and I raise my hands and I realize right there that I needed Jesus in my life. So I got myself together. I was weeping and weeping and weeping. I got myself together, got the ice, went back to the party. And at the end of the party, I take Nicole aside and I said, I don't know what is going on. I told her what had happened. And I said, I think we need to go to a church. I I need, I need to I need to be with Christians. So we we did some research this time, <laughs> found a church not too far. And on the next Sunday, I put in the GPS coordinates to that church. The enemy did not want me to go to that church. <laughs> Didn't send me to the right place. How often does that happen? When we got there, we ended up, this church used to be an old school and it had been converted. Um, We ended up at the back of this church. I didn't know we were at the back of the church, but it looked like an industrial place. All the windows were barred. All the doors were locked. I'm like, okay, let's just get out of here. As we're getting in the car and driving out of this parking lot, this couple drive in and see us and stop and wave and open their window. I'm like, ah, we have to be polite now. So (laughs) I, ah, so I opened the window and I'm like, hi. And uh, wouldn't you know it? They happen to be the people that run the welcome center at the church. And they knew we were new. And they, they explained, oh, you've come to the back of the church, not the front. That's weird. I'm like, yeah, I guess that is weird. Um, They let us in. And um, I, I, we walk in and I'm thinking this doesn't look like a church to me. Uh, firstly, the, the people are happy. They're smiling. People are greeting me. That's odd. Um, and we, we go into this thing called the sanctuary, which I found odd. And um, there's 
There's no windows. Looks like there's a band playing. Not quite sure what this is about. I think it's a cult. And <laughs> and I said to Nicole, as soon as it's polite, let's just slip out of here. Halfway through the service, I looked and I could see that Nicole was really enjoying it. So I thought, okay, well, we'll stay till the end. By the end, I am bawling. I am weeping. I can't see. Um, Amen. And the pastor says, if anyone needs prayer, we have prayer teams up at the front. Come up and, for prayer. So you get out of your aisle and the exit is the right. If you want to go for prayer, you go to the left. I did a beeline to the left. And I didn't even, I went up to these people. Obviously, I didn't know them. And they asked me what I needed prayer for. And all I can say through this sort of sobbing is, I don't know. And then they prayed something over me, something very specific. I've never shared what it was. And the funny thing is the couple that prayed over me, they don't even remember this um, happening. They're friends of ours. They don't remember this at all. But this is a huge event in my journey. Um, They prayed something very specific, Um, almost like if you could guess my address and my social insurance number. Exactly, right? That's what they prayed And the thing is, that was something that I'd actually been struggling with that week. And I'm like, how do these people know this? And we're driving home after the service. And I said to my wife, I think this is real. I think this is real. And I think this is something that I need. And uh, I was so looking forward to going to church the next week. We go to church the next week. At the end, the pastor says, there's corporate prayer. Everybody's heads bowed. Their eyes are closed. And he says, someone here wants to give their life to Christ. Put your hand up. I'm not going to point you out. I just want to acknowledge you and pray with you. So again, I'm bawling, tears streaming down my face, and I put my hand up. And and you know the the the, the pastor says, "I see you, I see you. We're gonna pray." And we prayed. And at the end of the service, uh, a gentleman comes up and he says, "I see you put your hand up. Is it okay if I sit down and talk to you?" And through my tear-stained eyes, I'm thinking, why is he not looking at me? Why is he looking at Nicole? And then I turn to Nicole, and I say, did you put your hand up? And she turns to me, and she said, did you put your hand up? (laughs) We both put our hand up separately, but together. (laughs) So we both got saved at the same time. Amen. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) Amen. And man, what a journey it's been since then. Wow. Yeah. And all, all of that is giving me chills and I'm welling up as you're sharing all that because it's just, man, just to, uh, just before this started to happen for you, when you're, you know, as a lawyer, were you still debating with people or was that more of your past? That was more of my past, but I remember sitting around a partner's meeting after I'd been this a couple of months after uh, I'd 
I've been saved. And I was listening to the conversation around the table and I thought, things are different now. Um, some things that sat okay with me before, I I have to think about those a little bit more now. Um, I mean, the, the, being a lawyer, it's a very ethical job. You're 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 you, you have to maintain a very high ethical standard. But beyond that, there are ways of, to interpret, and there are ways to behave, and there are ways to act. And um, I I kind of I I thought I have to do I, I I want to do things differently now. I want to be a different lawyer because the most important thing for me is to be in relationship with Jesus. And I want to, I want to be as best a son or, uh, you know, of, of the Lord as I can. And that I think I have to do some readjustment. That's a good thing though. Right. I mean, we all need to do readjustments all the time. Um, but I, I did have to reassess what my practicing law looked like, and it did change. When, well, I don't know if it happened like this for you, but was there a moment where all your past of debating and trying to verbally jab these Christians, was there a moment where it sort of hit you in the face that, all of that, and now you know he's real? Mm-hmm. When I started to read the Bible, I immediately identified with Saul because I thought, man, he would have been my hero as Saul, <laughs> um, as an atheist, and I probably could have taught him a thing or two. But to see his transformation and such a dramatic transformation. It, I thought, yes, that's what I want. And that's what I know the Lord can give me. Um, and, and, and so it was like, wow, I had it wrong all along. But, but I see the reason why the Lord was still like he still had his hand on my life even then. Right. Um, that's, that's what blows me away and always will, uh, to this day. But it was, it, it, it was actually a great learning experience for me too. Um, that realization transformation, because I could now kind of use those skills that I developed as an atheist debating Christians, um, to further the kingdom. Um, and by, by that, I mean, so for example, um, soon after I became a Christian, now I'm just hungry for the Lord. And I, I'm just, I'm learning about apologetics and I'm, I'm finding out all these new authors and I'm just, I'm just absorbing it like a sponge. And there's this men's conference coming up and I'm thinking that's going to be amazing. 650 men from across North America gathering in one church for a weekend of praise and worship and celebration of Jesus, man, I want a part of that. And there was a period of off time during this 
a conference where you could sign up for some initiative, whether it be cleaning a park, cleaning the church grounds, working in a, in a, in a, in a shelter, whatever there was. And it was the first time that I'd ever prayed about something before making a decision about it. I'm going to pray about what the Lord wants me to do in this three hour window. And I prayed about it and I prayed about it. And the Lord said, you're going to do street evangelism. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I don't know if that's a good idea because I'm still wet for my baptism and like I'm reading my Bible, but I'm still kind of struggling with Genesis a little bit. So I'm not sure I can get in the theological debate because I know as an atheist how that goes <laughs> if you're not armored, right? And and I'm like, oh my gosh, really, Lord? I'm going to pray again. Maybe I missed that. Maybe I misheard it. But no, he's like street evangelism. And that's how uh, I ultimately met um, Brody and Deidre Haight and got connected with E3. Um but uh, so I, 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 I have this crash course on evangelism and I go to a mall and I just walk around and share the gospel. And I realized at the time that all my debating as an atheist was actually preparing me for this. Wow. Because I go up to people who don't want anything to do with, with, what, I, with, with, with what I'm sharing. But that didn't take away the joy, didn't take away my hunger to do it, because whatever red light you you can throw at me, I invented that. So it's not gonna it, it's it's it, it's not gonna phase me because that's my old trick. And let me tell you, that's all that is. That's a trick. I know the truth, and let me share it. So it was like, man. You've prepared me all along, and that's how faithful our God is. I could say I'm, I'm an enemy of the Lord. I can't be an enemy of him. He doesn't exist. That's how much he is not a part of my life. And he's like, oh, Rob, the 19th of November, 2017, you will see the light. Mm-hmm. And I am going gonna to be with you throughout that journey, and you're going to see it one day. And that's exactly what he did. Come on. That's so good. Would you would would you consider yourself or do you find yourself now in the role of an apologetic from time to time? Or is the Lord like setting you up for these conversations with people who are in the same space as you were back in the day? I I I, be, I believe so. And um I I find that uh what I've what I've read uh, in terms of apologetics and uh, just so as a Christian, you develop this. It's like, I'm developing new muscles that I never had before. I've had them. I just didn't know I had them before. So h- having opportunities to step into those situations and be able to share. And when people respond with the, with the throwbacks that I would have, you know, responded with, I, I I'm, I'm finding that, uh, I'm, he's prepared me now to handle that, uh, in, in a way that I hadn't seen handled before by some people. Um, so it's, it, it's, it's been an entire journey where I've been, pre- I've been prepared and I will continue to develop, uh, so that when there are opportunities to share with people and I'm deliberate about creating those opportunities to share with people, uh, I can, I can, I can do so. And, 
from a from a perspective of not proving the atheist wrong because that's what as an atheist i would expect people to do with me and that's by and large what they did but more from a perspective and you touched on it earlier on in our conversation listening to what they're saying and trying to you know spend some time thinking where is that really coming from what are they really what's the real root of that and let's think about that and it may not be the conversation you're going to expect and sometimes it may not be too comfortable but at least you are in a situation where that that discussion can organic uh, sorry organically happen and um I, I i just find that those are opportunities for fruitful conversations about the lord and about what Jesus has done in my life. And ultimately that's what this is, right? That's the, that's the best testimony and evidence I can ever give to anyone. I can, you know, we, there are some amazingly powerful apologists, you know, apologists out there, some great material. Um, but at the end of the day, what's hopefully going to convince someone who talks to me and knows me a little bit is about what I was like before and what I'm like now. And the only explanation for that is the power of Jesus. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I find it. So do, do you share? Cause you can debate theology and stuff like that, but do you share those moments of in the car and where your heart was? Cause it's like, to me, it's not like proving somebody's wrong. It's not about being right or wrong. It's about, he loves, he loves yeah. you. He loves and he's pursuing, right? That is the most powerful message ever and my life is testimony to how he pursues i mean the prodigal my, my the prodigal son come on right he doesn't wait when he sees the when he sees the son coming what does the lord do does he stand on his porch and wait for his son to come home in shame because that's what i would have expected of the god i expected yeah but no, he comes running yeah. and he came running after me. Amen. Praise God. Yeah. Yeah. Rob, what, what kind of vehicle were you in? I was in a Jeep Wrangler. So I was in a 2004 Chevy Silverado and I came to faith in my vehicle. <laughs> really and, and it's good to know that the lord's not partial to general motors and he'll also do it <laughs> in a chrysler <laughs> oh i love that i love that so, we have we have a year in common and and where we found where we found faith I yeah love it. <laughs> yeah um so what, what was the transition for, did you retire from the legal field or did you feel called out or what was the sort of the birthing yeah. of, of the camp that you're doing in that transition? So, so again, this is, this is amazing is if, if God had said to me, when I put up my hand in that church or when I put up my hand on by the side of the highway and said, I need Jesus in my life. If God had said, okay, Rob, so this means that you're going to give up your law career after 30 years. You're going to give up your partnership in this big law firm. You're going to move to Northern Ontario. You're going to build cabins and use that as a platform to share Jesus. I would have probably had a stroke or something. Um, 
And, uh, and so the, the, what happened was uh, during the first lockdown uh, for COVID, we, when everybody was learning how to bake bread and quilt, we, we had a piece of property up here, but um, it used to be a commercial um, hunting camp, but we just held on to it and didn't really know what we were going to do with it. We didn't do anything with it. It was just land up here. Um, and we thought, huh, let's do something crazy and build a little cabin. And we had no experience doing this, of course. Uh, we both have desk jobs. And um, so, you know, go online, Google, YouTube, and um, go to Home Depot and buy some tools. And we started building this cabin. And so we built a cabin. And then uh, the, the Lord started to say, and I didn't know what, I didn't know where it was going, but the Lord was birthing something in me. And in year two of COVID, I, I realized what the Lord was telling me was that it's time for me to go into a different season that you've been a lawyer for 30 years and I've sustained you and equipped you to do that. Now I want you to do something more for the kingdom. I want you to develop this land that I have, um, that I have, uh, I've given you and I want you to use it for me. And then I was, uh, Nicole and I were praying and fasting about this. And I read a verse in Deuteronomy before our call. I, I meant to pull it out because I, I, I have it handy, but not right now uh, <laughs> on the desk, but it's about how the Lord has prepared a land for us. And it is fed with the rains from heaven. And it isn't like the lands of Egypt from where you've come. And I read that and I thought, that's a prophetic word for us. There's somewhere that the Lord has prepared for us. And uh, we're supposed to occupy that land for him. So I said to her, I, I think I'm, I think the Lord's telling me that I need to leave my law practice and we're going to go north and build this retreat and use that as a platform to share the gospel with people in Northern Ontario. I want you to pray and fast about it. This is what I think the Lord is telling me. But he's, if it's, if it's a God thing, he's going to say the same thing to you. And Nicole came back and she said, yeah, I think that's, that is what the Lord is telling me we should do. So I called a meeting of my partners in my firm (laughs) and uh, I said, I'm leaving the practice. And we're moving to Northern Ontario and I'm going to share Jesus with people I meet (laughs) in the North. And they're like, okay, I think Rod is having a stroke. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, um, but yeah, so we, we, we came up here uh, in the middle of 2022 and we have uh, developed this off grid uh, retreat that we use um, uh, as a, as a platform. Um, to look for opportunities to share the gospel. And um, yeah, it's been an incredible, it's been an incredible uh, journey. And uh, the Lord gives you as much as you can handle along the way, uh, I find. And um, you just, uh, he equips you for what he needs you to do. And that's testimony of my life. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. What's the website for your camp? 
So um, it's we're 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 about to go live. We're like literally maybe a week away. It's CampBlazeRetreat.com, and um, if you Google, um, you can uh, you can also find uh, the, the the cabins. We will we'll put the, your website um, in the description on, on the podcast. Yeah. And I encourage you, if you're listening, and this is getting you, you need to go up there and get in the bush and be close to Rob <laughs> and the Lord. It's, uh, and the Lord, it's, it's, it's really incredible um, who the Lord brings up to the retreat, right? I like, uh, he, he, he's, he, drew, he draws people. Um, and then we've had some really incredible experiences with, uh, with, uh, with, with sharing. No one's got baptized in the beaver pond yet, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, we've had some beautiful conversations with some amazing people about yeah. our amazing God. I don't know if I'd want to get baptized in a beaver pond, but Hey, <laughs> maybe you need a trough but if it's a big beaver pond it might be okay yeah well okay. it's not a must it is a big eh? beaver pond oh is it oh okay <laughs> no 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 <laughs> have you been in touch with the with your partners at the at the legal firm that you worked at has has there been has there been anything has there been an intrigue has the lord been working in their lives have they reached out to you or not to get too two personal them with them, actually. But, yeah. Um, yeah, two of them, uh, two of them, two of them did. One actually came up for a visit, uh, and they wanted to see what we were doing. And uh, there's another one. Uh, I'd I'd had some before I left the firm. I would I I had had some conversations with him about my faith journey. So he was what I would call uh, a seeker, I guess. And when I told him that I'm leaving the firm because this is what the Lord is, is giving us as a new season that we're going to step into. uh, He was really intrigued that I'd have that much faith to do that, right. Giving up 30 years of a law career for something that is to a non-believer kind of crazy. Um, and we've had a bit of an email exchange since then, and I sent him a few of our um, a few of our videos and, and some of the things that we have as our online presence. I sent it to him, just reminding him we are here, and it would be a huge blessing if you came up and just spend some time. We could talk, and he responded. He hasn't come up yet, but he did say that what we're what we're doing what we're showing and the faith that we have in god um tells him that there's something more in life than a career and that's so true that was my realization so we i have had some interesting conversations with a couple of them and um uh we'll just see where the lord works on their on their hearts amen yeah that's great that's great. Um, Rob, thanks. Thanks for sharing your story with us today. It's been an absolute pleasure. I just, I love talking about the Lord. Oh, and it's just, it's so, 
it's so powerful and uh it emotionally moved me as well so thank you um the camp blaze retreat.com will uh you're on instagram too <clears throat> uh, we'll have yeah. all that we'll have all that in the in the description below for you and uh rob i just had uh, one more question for you um sure. if, if you were traveling with your wife and you're in the airport and you're sitting there and you get into a conversation and you end up having a conversation with an atheist and you're sort of having this conversation but then they get called to the plane and they're gathering up their stuff. So you've got like 30 seconds to throw the last bit of seed in this soil. What do you say? I lived a life where I couldn't love myself, let alone the idea of a loving God love me because of the things I've done. But there's something stronger than condemnation because that's not what our God's about. He's about love. And he loves you. Awesome. What they really need to hear. It's what I couldn't believe. And when I heard it, it broke down walls that I'd spent 47 years building. And I thought those walls were impenetrable. But the idea of a loving God that loves me personally that broke down every wall I'd ever built in my life. Hallelujah. Thanks a lot, Rob. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. From Saul to Paul, friends. From Rob the Atheist to rob the sun what are you filling your heart with are you filling it with poison are you filling it with things of the of the world friends we can debate for hours and hours with people we can have theological discussions we can all have our own beliefs but what's really going on on the inside is the question if you're listening to this and you're driving or you're listening to this on the road and this Rob's story has moved you of when God touched his life you need to pull over right now you need to sit down right now and you need to invite him into your heart Because the one truth that's solid is that he loves you unconditionally. 